1: With our fighting spirit,
0: we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com.
1: I say let's do a podcast. We're going to do a podlet. Welcome to one of the Love Tennis podcast podlets. Uh, It is uh, close to 1 a.m. Paris time in the aftermath of the Champions League final. I can still hear out on the street... Uh, well, what I'm going to assume are Real Madrid fans and not Liverpool fans cheering and exulting because uh, Liverpool fans haven't got a huge amount to cheer or exult about. Uh, we've got lots to cheer and exult about here though because we've had a cracking day of third round tennis at Roland Garros. Um, just to run through the winners from today, Yannick Sinner, Andre Rublev, Daniil Medvedev, Marin Cilic, Hubert Hercat, Stefanos Tsitsipas... Casper Rude and Holger Roon all picking up wins in the men's side. Um, Someone asked me kind of relatively early on in the day because they were hoping to get early copy filed and get away for the football. What's been the match of the day in the men's side? What's been the big one? And actually, all but two of the matches in the men's draw today were in straight sets. The one that actually stood out was funnily enough the one that I went to watch for a set and a half was Andre Rublev against Christian Garin. Um Calvin it's actually the first time that I have uh I, well I think it's the first time I may have watched him on grass. It's certainly the first time I've watched Christian Garin on clay. Um I hadn't quite really appreciated how scrappy he is as a player. And Andre Rublev who won in four sets, but he did drop the second and he did have to go to 13-11 in the fourth set tiebreak. I mean, this guy is not straightforward to put away on clay, is he?
0: no he's um he's kind of like if you were to describe a tennis player from Chile you'd pretty much get to exactly what Christian Garin is <laughs> <laughs>
1: he's, he's
0: everything that you imagine from that sort of he's not very big um makes a lot of balls he'll scrap he'll fight has a couple of little weird tendencies um yeah he's I guess you know what you're going to get, but then you know what you're going to get from Rublev as well.
1: Well, that's what I was going to say is that, you know, I, I appreciate that Rublev beating Garen. It's not a huge result for him. You know, Garen is 35 in the world off the top of my head. Rublev's obviously a top 10 player, but he is someone who we kind of talk about as, you, you know, someone who can slip up in the early rounds of Grand Slams. So to an extent, I mean, how how dangerous is he in this draw now that he has got through to the second week and, I mean, he's got Yannick Sinner in the fourth round, for example. Is he a taller a threat to Sinner?
0: Yeah, I think so. Um, I think that's 50-50, to be fair, because Sinner's record against other top teners isn't isn't great. Mm. Um, there won't be much in the way of uh, nuance and feel in that match. <laughs> those, those balls will take a beating.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, in those, is there anything, or, or does either do either of those players? have it in them to realise that that's that match-up and say, maybe I can do something different?
0: No, I I don't think so. Maybe Sinner a little bit more. I don't think... No, I don't even think Sinner's got much in terms of that. Um, (laughs) Like, it'll be a strange mental battle as well, in that both players will know that the other player has struggled to beat other top 10 players, Mm. and both players will know that they themselves have Mm been that they're the other player. (laughs)
1: Uh, The winner of that match will play either Mara Cilic or Daniil Medvedev, both of whom picked up victory today. Mara Cilic beat uh, Gilles Simon for the loss of just five games. Um, I mean, this was kind of coming for Simon to a certain extent because this is his last French Open. He's already said that. He was on a wild card. He beat Karina Booster in what now looks like a real um, kind of last hurrah. He then beat Steve Johnson. Uh, and was very easily dismissed by Cilic today. I mean, Calvin, you know Gilles Simon pretty well. I mean, what what do you know him of? People who don't know him in the UK, what do you know him as?
0: He was, for a long while, I'd say the fastest player on tour. Hmm. Um, The best mover around the tennis court on tour. Um, Lovely feel, lovely reader of the game. Nice player to watch.
1: what held him back from he he only ever made two I think Grand Time quarterfinals. Why did he not go further than that?
0: I guess a, a real weapon. Um, a, yeah, he's, he had a great backhand, um, but as I say many times on this pod, there's no more useless weapon than a great backhand. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, just he's like he's, he's one of those. You say what held him back? He was like he was always the guy, though. To be fair, a brilliant as he was. He was always the guy you thought when you were talking about someone making the top 10 who you'd think, well, if Gilles Simon can make it, then we can. <laughs> I, he took that mantle from David Ferrer. Uh,
1: I see. Um, yeah, he, uh, in fact, did make top 10. He made it as high as number 6 uh, in the world back in 2009. 14 career titles, uh, 891 total tour matches, 500 of which uh, he won, so that's nice to get to a nice round figure. Um, is he someone who you see as... A good tennis brain, a good tennis companion, someone who might end up as a coach?
0: Definitely a good tennis brain. It's not always that simple, though, when you think, because somebody has a good brain, will they make a good coach? Mm. Because then it's, can they communicate that to other people? Sometimes it's just intrinsic in what they do, and it's the old concert pianist theory that, if you get a con, if you sit a concert pianist down at a piano and tell them to tell you each individual key one after the other, what they do, their brain freezes and they can't do it. It just mm. comes naturally to them. And they can sit down at the piano, they can play the most beautiful symphony, but they can't tell you, I press this key, I press mm. this one, I press this one. It's something that comes naturally to them. So it's not always a case that those players who have good tactical brains can communicate that to other people.
1: I think it comes down to neurology as well. I mean, I I always kind of demonstrate it to people that they can tie their shoelaces. But if I say to them, can you talk me through tying your shoelaces? It actually becomes very, very hard. And I find it, if if I'm tying a tie, which I don't do every day, but it nevertheless is something that is kind of learnt um, movement. If I then try and talk someone through tying a tie, can't do it. And it's, it's literally, from a neurological perspective, I believe, it's, it's a different part of the brain. You've got learnt things, which I think are at the back of your brain, um, in, I think, cerebellum. And then you've got the things that you think about doing, which are at the front of your brain. And as you practice them, you learn them and they go to the back of your brain. And I suppose if you want to teach someone something, you've then got to move it back to the front of your brain and, and understand how to do it again. Yeah,
0: and also it's understanding how people learn like what and and understanding different people but again look we come back to it's teachers they're a bad teacher we all had great teachers. i'm sure we all know everybody listening will have a teacher who they thought that teacher was great and then they'll have teachers who they thought that teacher was rubbish but all teachers know the content they all know the syllabus some can get it across to their pupils and some can't but they all know the exact same content
1: hmm Exactly. Um. One man who knows the syllabus very well indeed is Daniil Medvedev, although we thought maybe he was a dunce in this particular subject. Uh, we didn't think he could play on clay. Then we thought he could play on clay. Then he got injured and we thought he couldn't. Uh, he's into the fourth round having not dropped a set. He hasn't just not dropped a set. He hasn't dropped more than four games in a set in the first three rounds. I mean, he's absolutely romped his way into the fourth round of the french open calvin i know you've been saying for a couple of days now that he's a genuine threat um we don't think that marin Cilic is going to cause him a huge number of problems but can you kind of explain why we didn't think Daniil medvedev was a good player on clay and, and perhaps why we do now
0: um it's probably because he spent all last year saying that he hated clay and they should all be <laughs> dug up and <laughs> and i never really understood why he was so against it I do wonder cuz he's a bit nuts. I, I also wonder whether Medvedev he's he's a highly intelligent man whether he does it a bit tongue in cheek at times. Yeah. Um because he's had good results on clay. Let's let's not make any mistake he'd be Djokovic on clay, hasn't he? Beat mm. him at the Monte Carlo a couple of years ago. Very good, yes. Um so yeah, I, I look, it's one of those again. He's he's historically really tall lanky players tend to struggle on clay because they can be a bit bambi on ice like, but mm everything Medvedev does is a bit Bambi on ice and he's the best tennis player in the world, so...
1: <laughs> yeah, he gets on okay. Um, as I say, he's going to play Marin Cilic in the next round having dismissed Miamir Kekmanovic who we really thought might give him a good go or at least take a set off him in the third round as it is, he took just eight games uh, and he will now face Marin Cilic. Uh, in the other side of that bottom half Kaspar Ruud needed five sets to see off Lorenzo Sannego although he did... In the end, do so quite comfortably, albeit in five sets, winning the last two sets, 6-4, 6-3. Hubert Hurkacz, meanwhile, who I thought would have a close match with David Goffin, had nothing of the sort. He lost just eight games, 7-5, 6-2, 6-1. Hubert Hurkacz, Calvin, two guys who, to a certain extent, have gone under the radar over the last week or so, but both of whom you would look at and think, you know, potential finalists on the right day.
0: They both go under the radar most of the time, don't they? Yeah. Like, if, if 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 you were to ask a sort of casual tennis fan or a bit more than casual tennis fan to name the top 10 players in the world, I think most of them would name Rude and Herkacz last. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. But... Um...
1: Even in Poland, I was speaking to someone who writes for sport.pl today, um, and he was saying that even in Poland, where his nickname is Hoo-Hoo, he often jokes that he calls him Hoo-Hoo-Hoo, because uh, even in Poland where you know he is the number one pl- British uh, male player i should say he is still just complete second billing so you just to Yashonta and uh, Wimbledon last year changed things a little bit but even now he's in the fourth round he very much could make a quarter final he very much could make a semi final and he will still just go under the radar i don't know i mean he's not someone we classically associate with being good on clay but he clearly can play on the surface
0: poles play on it a lot it's um they have a lot of tournaments on clay and there's a lot of clay courts i've yeah every tournament i've been in poland's been on clay i think Mm. over the years can't think of anywhere where i haven't i've been quite a few times to poland um yeah i i hope he does well hope he's one of those guys who there's no way he's not a great guy i don't even know him that well but you can just (laughs) tell he's he's just a top lad
1: yeah. Uh, speaking of lads, uh, Holger Rune is through. He beat Hugo Gaston 6-3, 6-3, 6-3 in a match which I'm sure, and this is no personal slight to either of them, probably had the lowest viewing figures of any night match at Roland Garros so far because it did clash with the Champions League final. Um, as it happens, I, I saw Rafa Nadal at the Champions League final. Carlos Alcaraz was there with Juan Carlos Ferrero as well. I know that, Dia- I mean, this is my favourite story of yesterday, Diego Schwarzman was openly begging for tickets in his press conference. I, I don't think I've ever seen someone so sort of like unashamedly use their platform to try and manipulate things. And, you know, God bless Diego Schwarzman. He doesn't have much of a platform, in fairness. But he um, he answered four different questions by saying, I do want a ticket, though. I'm not joking. If you can get me one, please get me one. I didn't see him there. In fairness, he may have been stood behind someone. Uh, I hope he got a ticket because he seemed really keen to get one. Uh, and he now has to go play Novak Djokovic as well in the fourth round. Which I mean, if, I if, if
0: Diego me. was stood behind somebody, he probably didn't see much football. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, he better hope he was in a seated area. Um, Stefano pass saw off Mikael Ima for the loss of just five games, which is a result that I don't think anyone was surprised by. Um, Is Holger Rood a genuine threat to Stefano pass, Calvin, or is he just an average player with incredible belief?
0: He's not average. Look, he's starting to win enough. I've probably, you know, not given him his due enough on that, but... I just don't I, I don't i'm i never thought he's average i don't think he's top tier and i don't think he will be mm. i think we might i think he could end up similar to and this i say top tier i'm gonna say he might be top ten and that's top t- that's almost top tier yeah I think he could have a similar career to um kasparood mm.
1: he's um he's going to go up to at least thirty one in the world. Uh, at the age of 19 so i suppose in that sense you know i know that alcaraz is also 19 but you know he's kind of pushed the bar for what we expect of 19 year olds so to a certain extent i wonder whether we should think wow he's 31 in the world and he's 19 years old you know he's he's got a lot of growing and and maturing to do and i don't know how much we've seen of him away from the clay um and they say that learning on clay is not a bad thing to do
0: the thing is though with what I would say when you say he's got a lot, of, he has got a lot of growing to do. The maturing, he's from what I know about him, he's very, very mature. Mm. I'd be surprised if there's much development in that front going yeah. forward. I don't think we're going to get like, I guess, what we saw with Sitsipath, where he was a bit wild when he was younger and just grew up a little bit. Mm. I, th- I think Rune is pretty stable mentally, um, he's pretty good in that regard.
1: He looks like he might... He could do with an Alcaraz-style summer, I think. I think, you know, he looks... If you just look at him, he looks like he could do with a bit of... A little bit of bulk, a little bit of strength, a little bit of kind of... um...
0: Not many lads have those kind of summers, James.
1: (laughs) No, they don't. Let's move on to the women's draw, shall we? I think we should rather quickly um we saw i mean there was a lot of action on both sides of the draw today it was a pretty remarkable day in the uh, women's draw in in the i mean Jess Pegula, uh is now the second highest remaining seed in the women's draw she's the number 11 the top 10 has been all but wiped out except for Igor Švontek. um god bless her, she she's she's sort of got asked to put her pundit hat on uh, in the press conference. And uh, she said, oh, what so the journalist in question said, I wonder how you see the draw right now for both the top and the bottom half. She says, oh yeah, the um, top half, yeah, I mean, it seems kind of, I mean, not open, but there's good players. Uh, it seems like maybe it's fallen apart a bit. I I, I don't know. I, I feel bad and I should know this, but I, I, I have, and then this is literally what she said. She said, I haven't seen the bottom because I don't have a... F- stupid... I can't ever find the freaking PDF, like the sheet where you just look at the sheet, it drives me nuts. I have the app, and I still can't see who's going to play who, which pretty much sums up uh, tournament frustration. I, mean, for me. I feel
0: the pain there, because the, the French Open app is absolute rubbish. If you're looking at the draw, <laughs> when you get... It's fine in the first round, all the names are there. I'm, I'm doing it with my hands here, and none of the listeners can see me. But um, or If you're doing it on the first round, all the draws are there, but the screen... If you want to look who's in the semis or the quarters, you have to keep on scrolling down yeah. to get there. And I don't look, there's a set format for draws. And it's the same with all the apps. I don't get why they can't just put them on the PDF. The ATP app, to be fair, you can tip you can tap PDF at the top yeah. and you can see it. That's how that's the format that we want to see it. And on there, on the draw, it says the seeds. It tells you who this what ranking the seeds are. It tells you how many points you get for each round, it tells you how much prize money for each round. That's the stuff that we want to see. Mm. These weird formats that all of the different tennis apps and websites use, it's nonsense.
1: (laughs) There you go. Uh, Well, just to give Jess Pagula, if she's listening, a little bit of info, Uh, she's playing Arena Camellia Bagu in the fourth round, which, let's face it, is a much easier draw than she might have imagined when things first came out. She beat Tamara Zidancic. Uh, Pegula today, 6-1, 7-6 I was actually in the media bar with Tamara Zidanecek's coach uh, after the match and he didn't seem too bothered about it he seemed more bothered about making sure the sit pass match was on the telly and making sure he had a beer so um, I I don't think he was too sad about a third round defeat for Tamara Zidanecek although credit to her that is something to be proud of Um, Jess Pegula, as I say is the second highest seed left in the entire tournament, because Arena Sabalenka went a set-up on Camillo Georgi, and then lost 12 of the next 13 games to go down 4-6, 6-1, 6-love. Calvin, I, I put this in the WhatsApp group, I said, Sabalenka gonna Sabah, because that really was, I mean, Sabalenka is eventually gonna win a slam, I am reasonably sure of that but it relies on seven matches in a row without that
0: i don't think she's going to win one you know i don't think she's that good um
1: do you not in- do, you, do you think she's not that good or do you think she's not that balanced
0: i don't even think she's that good i think the better players are going to find her out anyway i think mm. she's good don't get me wrong but i just think the, the better players will always find her out um there's she's pretty one dimensional mm. um and i think they'll just yeah the same as they've always found Pliskova out hmm. for the same reason. I, I, speaking of that, I'll come back to what we're talking about, but I saw Pliskova still number seven in the world. I'd love to oh. know what, what what point she's like... Well, People, she, got the know...
1: final, she got the final of Wimbledon last year, which yeah. obviously helps a lot.
0: Yeah. One if she's still seven in the world after Wimbledon, then I'm, I'm going to be looking <laughs> right.
1: I think that's extremely unlikely. I mean, in fairness, because the WTA rankings are so excuse me, so close at the moment, um, there are some slightly wild things. Um, Annette Kontovite went out in the first round. She's going to go up three places and go to a new career high of two in the world. Yeah, I saw that. I, Which, saw I mean, that. it's just sort of unfortunate. It's just because, like, Maria Sakari was defending a lot of points from last year that she she has not defended. So she f- flops down a long way. Um, Paola Bedosa is going to go up a place, bizarrely. Um Barbara Kudrykova, because she's lost two thousand points, um, is going to go down eleven places. So everyone in the top ten gets at least a one bump. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it's a very weird situation, but I, I think that I think the world rankings are still going to reflect the best players in the world in the WTA. It just is going to look a bit weird based on what has happened in the last week.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. I, I get that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I guess, and then it's going to get weirder after Wimbledon, I suppose.
1: Oh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I appreciate it's not the major bit of damage from the Wimbledon ATP WTA spat, but the rankings are going to look bloody weird, particularly in the WTA. I,
0: I think today, you know, was the first time just going on that where I it hit me how weird it's going to be at Wimbledon without these players because, like, you had Medvedev's doing well here, yeah. Rublev's doing well, Kachanov's doing well, yeah. um, Sabalenka was still in, Azarenka was in yesterday. And i think purely and i get there's a bigger there's obviously a bigger thing at play here but purely from a sporting point of view yes i started thinking yeah this is i'm not sure about this
1: i mean so just just for reference um three of the last 16 of the men's are from what will be banned countries in in uh, wimbledon and two uh three of the last 16 in the women's are also going to be from banned countries v- veronica Kudermetova, um and we'll come on to it got through today daria Kasatkina got through today and uh, alexandra sasnovich as well now they may not get through wimbledon but you can see the kind of effect this is going to have um was the victim of veronica Kudermetova. she's the number three seed uh she went six three two one down and then retired she had treatment on a knee injury at five, or what looked like a knee injury at five two, uh, in the first set. Calvin, I know we talk a lot about WCA draws falling apart, but you know, I suppose you can't do anything about an injury, can you? Like it's just something that happens, and it it's annoying that it's number th- it's the number three seed Palabedosa who probably would have been Shantek's semi final opponent.
0: Yeah, that's disappointing because you know you could you could put an argument together that Bedosa is one of the next level down from Shontek, and yeah. you would give her a 20% chance.
1: Hmm. Um, it, it means that Shontek is going to potentially, well, if she makes the final, in fact, if she wins the title, she will have done so without facing a single top 10 player. Um, the most difficult route she can have to the final is her fourth round opponent, um, Zhen Quinn Wang, um, then potentially Jessica Pagula, then, well, potentially Daria Kasatkina, which would be the hardest by seeding at least, uh, opponents she could have in the semi-finals. Um, I mean, the thing is, Calvin, that I've, I'm worried there's going to be an asterisk next to this French Open title if Iga Chante wins it. But there shouldn't be, right?
0: No, they definitely not. She's by far the best player in the world. I think she mm. cleans up anybody.
1: Uh, who would you, of, of all the bottom half, so Leila Fernandez, Anna Samova, mertens Goff. Teichman, Stevens, and then Trevor Sansasovic, but you can largely ignore that. Who, uh, If you could pick any of those eight players to play Svantec in a final tomorrow, which one would you pick?
0: Probably Anisimova.
1: On what basis?
0: I, between her and Goff, and yeah. um, Svantec beat Goff pretty handily earlier in the year. Mm. I've not seen her against Svantec, and I think Svantec would offer certain things that the other players won't she's a bit more complete than the others if Schwantek play if if schwantik's a little bit off her game and anisimova plays as well as she can i i think you've got a match there
1: and it should be noted that Schwantek did have a little bit of a wobble today she was 4-1 up in the second set um she let that lead slip she was broken which by danka Kovinich, which had not happened in this tournament so far um she did still win the set 7-5 so to an extent we're clutching at straws but so there was a vague little kind of um sign of uh weakness there. Uh the only other result I wanted to note from today was regarding Zhen Quing jen Wen. She won six love, three love retired against Alize Cornet, who was so obviously injured. I mean she came out and like you know what tennis skirts are like, Calvin, they are short and basically Alize Cornet is wearing a completely cursory skirt and entirely strapping all the way down to her knees on the thighs. It was pretty clear she could not play. Um, I think if it wasn't Roland Garros, if it wasn't potentially her last Roland Garros, and if she wasn't on Chatrier, then I don't think she would have come out. Um, The hugely knowledgeable Chatrier crowd booed her when she retired (laughs) at six love, three love down, which seemed incredibly unfair. I mean, just a little note, in case this is the last time we say alize corne played at the french open today she I, I feel like she's someone who made the best of her talent she didn't have a huge amount but she seems to have done okay with it
0: yeah she's look she's probably with the exception of conta and radicanu she'd be the best female player that we've had in the last 15 years wouldn't she
1: even though she's french
0: yeah but i mean this is like well, the weird thing that we don't where we, we get it wrong in terms of what we accept in Britain as being decent. The French will have had, French have players like that. But mm. she would have been. What I'm trying to say is that she oh, would be a, a household name if if she was British.
1: I thought you were trying to claim that that she was British in some. No, no. <laughs> I know she's French. I'm <laughs> trying to I say that.
0: Yeah. I'm trying to say that she she would have if she if if she wasn't from France, mm. where where which is probably the best tennis nation in the world along with maybe Spain yeah um then she would have been a, a household name hmm. I don't know if yeah. she's in France
1: yeah I think she approaches that and um, she's been as high as 11 in the world she obviously made a quarterfinal at the Australian Open uh earlier this year and she made the fourth round of all the other slams which in fairness is you know not a bad record there are plenty of players out there who never make the fourth round of a slam so Um, That seems to me to be quite admirable. Um, As for tomorrow, it's the top half of the men's draw. It means we've got Djokovic against Schwarzman, which I think is going to be very one-sided and we don't need to talk about. Uh, We've got Zverev against Zapata Morales, which I fear is going to be the same. And Alcaraz against Hachinov again similarly. But we have Nadal against Felix Auger-Aliassime. Calvin, is there any hope that this isn't going to be very one-sided? Yeah,
0: I think there is a there's a world in which Auger Rallyasim challenges Nadal. Mm. Um, what does he
1: have to do particularly well to do that?
0: Serve. He's got to serve well. Yeah. Um he's got to serve high first serve percentages. Um and cuz his second serve isn't great. His returning isn't great at all. Um probably have the Canadian Twitter on to me again for saying that. <laughs> but um yeah, if it, Look, if he serves at 70-plus percent and he serves at 70-plus percent in every game, mm. then he's going to hold a lot of games.
1: Yeah. And he has been serving at a high, like, you know, barring the first two sets of his tournament where he was objectively awful, um, he has served pretty well. He beat Filip Karinovich, uh in the third round, 7-6, 7-6, 7-5. You know, suggests he's serving pretty well. Um, so that would suggest we might get a bit of a contest. Uh, they will be on third on tomorrow uh, on Chatrier, whereas Djokovic and Chorston will be second on Long Glen. Make of that what you will. I'm sure people will get very excited about what that does and what that doesn't mean. Uh, it means very little, if anything. Uh, in the women's draw, we've got uh, Martina Trevisan against Alexandra Sasnovic Jill Tyson against Sloane Stephens, Elise Mertens against Coco Gauff and actually the, for me what is the pick of the day uh, Leila Fernandez against Amanda Anisimova. Um I mean Leila Fernandez is a massive improver on Clay Court. She's not someone we would think about as being a Clay Court player, but you know, she's potentially got a real chance to at least give Anisimova a very hard time, hasn't she?
0: Yeah, um she's a good player. Grand mm. finalist. Um, Indeed, I think Anasimov Anisimov will come through it pretty comfortably. I would think. I think we're probably looking at a four and four there, something mm. like that.
1: Well, that's a shame. That it was going to be my match of the day, but it's actually so <laughs> early that it doesn't matter because I definitely won't make it up for that because uh, I think it's going to be an 11 a.m. start. Um, anyway, uh, do tune in for as many of the matches as you can. It's a Sunday, so you've got no real excuse. And then after that. Uh, wait around and download the next podlet from the love tennis podcast it's been me james gray and him calvin betton and thank you very much for listening
0: sports social podcast network